Welcome to the Infertile Mafia. That's Kayla. And that is Sarah. And today we're talking about drugging your eggs. <laughs> and that means we're talking about ovulatory drugs. Evicting your eggs might be a better way to say it. Yeah. Telling More like them, drugging your ovaries. Drugging your ovaries, evicting your eggs. They've been, they have overstayed their welcome. Right. I feel like the women who, with ovulatory disorder, these eggs are like millennials. Like, that don't move out of the house. <laughs> like so, that one guy. The pajama boy. I, d- I don't know. He's 30. <laughs> he's been all over the news lately. Dude, that's lots of guys. <laughs> True. Really, they're like, like your parent. they've raised you. They've given you all the tools in life. Now your only job is to move out and, you know, go get a Be job. Be a grown up. Be a grown up. And yeah, the women with ovulatory disorder have eggs that will not just effing grow up and get a job like move out it's time so we're going to talk about some ways you can drug them (laughs) and get them to move out get them to go it's like failure to launch exactly the ovulatory drugs are uh sarah jessica parker yes right yeah they're they're uh, your they're your egg life coach Hey, right. buddy. <laughs> you need to move out. <laughs> this isn't going to work for much Parents, longer. you got to stop making life so easy for them. I know. Don't enable. <laughs> right. But anyway, first, yeah. we're going to talk about the business. The business. Um, so mine is uh, my friend that I talked about on the genetics episode. What was that one called? Oh, no, I'm weird. Oh, no, I'm I'm the weirdo. Oh, I'm a weirdo. Yeah. Okay, so this was the one who found out that both her and her husband are carriers for a genetic disorder. Um, she actually wrote an email, and I didn't see it <laughs> before the episode. I thought she was going to text me. Oops. So I think I'll put her story like as a post in the Facebook group, because it's a I really like how she wrote it out and she made it make more sense than what I said probably but she wanted me to make sure that people knew that the baby that they had through IVF they don't know if she's a donor for the first baby and they would not use her as a donor for anything because baby number one needs um blood transfusions or um she like, could what do you mean need by donor bone marrow oh bone marrow gotcha okay so they don't they're they're not going to use like the second child as a just a donor child even if she's a match they're not even going to find out yeah no they're not gotcha. yeah she wanted to make that clear that it wasn't my sister's keeper type of situation right that's good and but, speaking so, of that facebook yeah. group sarah yes tell everyone about how to join if they don't know oh uh <laughs> just search for infernal mafia in facebook we can't yeah, we can't give you the link for some reason. Yeah, or there is no link? No, it won't work in a closed Facebook group. Yeah, so it's closed. Uh, if you have people, can people see if you're in there? I'm not sure. They can see the members, but they can't see any of the content. So anything that gets said inside the walls of the group is not shared. Outside of the group. Yes. And it's like there the are fight club. Right. Well, an infertile... 
It's not as secret as the Fight Club. No, because it's not. Because if, if we made it a secret group, people wouldn't be able to find it. Right. Right. It's just a cool club. Like, people know it's there, but they don't know what's happening on the inside. Right. You right. know what? We haven't done in a while. while. A giveaway. I just thought of this. We haven't talked about this. We should do a giveaway again. Yeah. We should do... I have some ideas for that, actually. I have an idea, too. Okay. Maybe. So keep <laughs> keep uh, tuned in for that. Stay tuned for that. And um, even if you're not wanting to get something out of us, <laughs> if you want to give <laughs> us a review and a rating in Apple Podcasts, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and share. We would love for you guys to share the podcast. Share it on your Instagram stories if you like feel like doing that. Or your Facebook. If you want to remain like closed about it or like, like, what's the word? If you don't want people to know, you could be like, look at this weird podcast. Like my friend, look these, like you could share it in that <laughs> type of way too. Like you don't have to be right. like, I listen to this because I'm infertile. You can be like, listen to these two weirdos talk about something they know nothing about. They're pretty funny. <laughs> right? <laughs> right, Sarah says. Anyway. We need to take video with this sometimes because I feel like our facial expressions. They're only really getting half drive. the story. Yeah, they drive the point home. <laughs> and Yours then you'd see, us, you'd see us eating and drinking <laughs> during. Sarah, this is our second show that we're filming today and Sarah... You missed it, guys. She stuffed her face full of a donut. It was beautiful. I'm feeling a little sick now. <laughs> I should <laughs> have very ate. hungry. I should have ate eggs instead. Instead of a donut. Well, yeah. you know. It's all about balance. It had sprinkles. That <laughs> sounds yummy. Okay, let's talk about some ovulatory drugs. I was going to read an email, but I think I'm going to save it. Yeah. Let's see. It's a good one, though, guys. Maybe I'll... Yeah, I'll save it for the next time. Okay, so ovulatory drugs. Got two types, right? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> Sorry, I was reading the story. Oh, it's pretty good, right? Yeah, it's pretty funny. Okay. Uh, awkward. <laughs> it is awkward. Guys, it's a it's an adventure in the jerk-off room story. Mm-hmm. Maybe I will share it in Out of the Box, but I can't. That's not never happened before. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, yeah. Sorry. Ovulation drugs. Oral medications and injectables. So, these are going to get prescribed to the woman who sees an RE or an OB oftentimes and says, hey, I'm having trouble getting pregnant. And if you don't have regular cycles, a lot of times... Or even if you do, sometimes an if OB you would do. be like, here's some Clomid. <laughs> sometimes if you do, they might have you try Clomid and or Femera. Those are your two main oral medications, right? Clomid is the, Clomiphene is the actual drug name and Femera is Letrozole. It's the actual drug name. Usually Clomid will be first. Yeah, but why is that? Uh, probably because it's cheap and I think letrozole is pretty cheap too though I think it's just I mean Clomid has been used far longer than letrozole letrozole is like it's from the 60s yeah it's been around since the 60s so old Clomid yeah yeah 
It's like birth control. Yeah. But the, like, well, we're not doctors. You always, you guys know this, but, and always consult with your doctor. But I would give pause if my, if I had regular cycles and my doctor prescribed me an ovulatory drug. Like if you go in there for unexplained infertility and they give you Clomid, I would get a new doctor. Yeah, it's not, it is specifically for women who don't ovulate regularly or not at all. Because statistically, it's not going to help you. Well, if it's not Sorry. treating your whatever your actual infertility issue is, of course not. And and, and it actually might make things worse because they it do probably have, would. Clomid especially does have some negative side effects that we'll get to. So real quickly, though, let's talk about how they work. So they basically suppress estrogen in your system, tricking your brain into thinking it needs to make more follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone and that's what grows your follicle so that's basically it right mm, sounds about right <laughs> uh they're typically used for like what four, four or five days like starting around day two three four of your cycle obviously this is all like should be whatever your doctor says but it's it's in your um what's the phase called follicular follicular phase when you're approaching ovulation that you would take these drugs yeah so and it's not recommended i saw this a lot it's not recommended for use beyond six months i saw that too yeah because it can thin your lining i don't know if it's permanent do you Mm -hmm. know if that's permanent i don't know if it's permanent but i do know i read that a lot it can thin your uterine lining and can cause and then it can affect your cervical mucus to making it harder for sperm to so it's like uh (laughs) i guess it's one of those for me like pros and cons like is this gonna be worth it if it causes these other negative things you know plus it can make you feel crazy yes Nausea, hot flashes, severe mood swings. (laughs) But then we had like, we did ask some people in our Facebook group about using ovulatory drugs. And some of them said that they like didn't bother them at all. And then some said, yeah, they did. So it just depends on the person probably. Maybe the people where it didn't bother them, it was people who actually could use it. What do you mean? Who don't ovulate on their own. Because I didn't have problems with injectables when I've heard other people have problems with them. I think it just depends on the person. I don't think I don't think it has anything to do with whether or not they can ovulate. Because, yeah, I just think it depends on the person. Because I had, I ovulate fine and I didn't have any, like you, I didn't have, like, with injectables. I had physical symptoms, but not necessarily... Like emotional emotional symptoms. (laughs) Or it's one of those like, am I being emotional because this is stressful or is it the actual drug? We'll never know. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Um, There are concerns. There have been concerns with Clomid and ovarian cancer, but studies have shown that there is not a higher risk of developing ovarian cancer with using Clomid, except for the group that is nolly gravid. <laughs> what? 
<laughs> which means never had a pregnancy. So, oh, hey, yo. So, the uh, more you know, yeah. say that word again. Nolly Gravid kind of <laughs> reminds me of Christmas. Or like Feliz Navidad? Yeah. <laughs> or like Holly. It's a combination of Holly and Navidad. Yeah. Nolly Gravid. <laughs> but it's not something you want to be a part of. <laughs> so you're saying the risk of ovarian cancer is higher in women who have never been pregnant if they right. use it. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. But I feel like I've seen that the risk of ovarian cancer is higher in women who never had a pregnancy in general. Yeah. Right. Something like, about pregnancy decreases your risk. Probably gives your body a break <laughs> from some of those other hormones. Estrogen. Uh, well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why. I'm Mandy. not a doctor. <laughs> Speaking of Mandy, Nurse Mandy, she we asked her to uh, share a Minute with Mandy segment for this show. And she's going to talk now about the differences between clomiphene and letrozole. So here is a Minute with Mandy. Clomiphene or letrozole. Have you ever wondered what's up with these two drugs? Why would one be prescribed over the other? Is it because one works better than the other? Well, for around 40 years, clomiphene citrate has been a first-line defense drug used as an ovulation inducer. It's a weak form of estrogen that acts as an anti-estrogen in the hypothalamic pituitary region of the brain. Let me explain. What it does is it sends messages to the brain that estrogen levels are actually low in the body. As a result, the pituitary gland sends signals to the ovary that it must work harder. This ovulation drug is a common first-line choice for many patients because overall the cost is very affordable. However, there are some side effects of the drug that may make it an undesirable choice for some patients. For instance, Clomid has been shown to decrease the thickness of the uterine lining when used for multiple cycles. It may also affect cervical mucus by making it thicker, making it more difficult for those sperm to penetrate through. Lastly, it also carries a higher chance for multiples. Given these factors, letrozole is sometimes a more desirable ovulatory drug. Little known fact about letrozole, it's actually a drug that was developed for and used in breast cancer patients. Letrozole is what we call an aromatase inhibitor. It works by reducing the total amount of estrogen in the body. Therefore, it's effective in treating breast cancers that are fed by estrogen. What it does is it starves these cancer cells by depriving them of estrogen. Ovulation induction happens as a side effect of the drug. It does work in a very similar fashion to how Clomid does. When letrozole makes the estrogen level in the body drop, the hypothalamus sends a signal to the pituitary gland to make the ovary work harder. Letrozole does tend to be more expensive than Clomid. However, letrozole has been found to be associated with better endometrial development and is often a better choice for patients who have poor endometrial lining. The incidence of conceiving multiples is less with letrozole than with clomiphene, 
and this might be more desirable for some patients. The pregnancy rates are very comparable between the two drugs. As with many things when it comes to medicine, there is no one-size-fits-all treatment, and one drug might be a better choice given your particular set of circumstances. This has been A Minute with Nurse Mandy. So that was A Minute with Mandy. She's very smart and knows her stuff. Yeah, and I feel like, so this is what I thought of when she was talking about how they both work to basically kick your ovaries into, well, it's your brain, your pituitary gland, into gear to make more hormone. It was like, they're like a personal trainer. They're the personal trainer for your pituitary gland. Oh, <laughs> they're well, like nice. kicking your butt into shape and making you produce more hormone. I yeah. have a, I know I have a lot of gym analogies lately since I've been going to the gym, but I saw, so you know, you sign up sometimes and they're like, okay, you get six free sessions with a personal trainer. So I'm like, fine. So I went, I met with one the other day and I'm such an open book now about like going through IVF and stuff, but sometimes I forget that other people, <laughs> uh, they get awkward when you talk about it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. So she was asking me if I had kids and I told her and she did she did the normal like do they run in your family no we did IVF and she got so awkward and I was like well like I think she felt like oh like like it was taboo that I was talking about it or something like it just goes to show you some people still just have no clue how to react when you tell them something like that but you like calm down lady yeah I'm like lady I'm fine (laughs) it's okay you don't have to feel weird or nervous (laughs) I wouldn't I mean I had literally met her like 30 seconds before so yeah maybe it was just too much of a truth bomb for her right at the you know first meeting but could be anyway (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that's what that made me think of was like a personal trainer what these drugs are used for but did you know they're used for like Clomid is used, or I've seen it prescribed for men with male factor infertility. I have heard that. Yeah. And it's the same idea by reducing estrogen, it makes the testosterone Mm. spike or like whatever the hormones that make the sperm. So Makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, moving on to injectables. So injectables are the same thing they'll give you during like... IVF pretty much just not as much of a dose because they're not trying to get you to have 20 eggs yeah you'll take it for a less like you'll take a smaller dose for less time most likely yeah so those are these are like your Menopure, Gonal F, Folistem that kind of stuff and it's the actual hormone it's not Mm -hmm. suppressing it it's it actually is giving you the actual FSH hormone or LH hormone that causes follicle growth. And the other big difference, obviously, is it's an injection. It's a shot. So it's more fun. (laughs) (laughs) Did you do yours, all yours in the belly? I did all Mm, mine in the belly. Nope. Did mine in the arm. Oh, you did? Some of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My clinic said, you can do it in the arm. I was like, all right. Cool. Yeah. 
I thought when I first started doing injectables, the idea of sticking a needle in my stomach was like, oh my gosh, I can't, that sounds so painful. But actually, there's so much fat right there. Yeah. It really doesn't hurt. I mean, it's, it's not. It's in your fat. Yeah. It's, and so it doesn't really, like, it's just not that big of a deal, right? Some of them sting, but yeah, if you sting, have ice and stuff, it's fine. It's fine, guys. It's fine. Um, but they can cause, so this was a common theme, like with women in, in our Facebook group. And then I know this happened with myself, like a feeling of like cramping or bloating because it, I mean, it does. It does well, that's your ovaries that's getting your bigger. your ovaries getting bigger, your follicles getting bigger. And of course, like the increase of, increased risk of multiples is higher when you start using mm-hmm. injectable. Well, it's higher with Clomid too. Right. Right. And letrozole. Yeah. But even more so with injectables. Yeah. So these cycles with injectables are much more high maintenance. Like they're going to require much more monitoring. Mm -hmm. Like you'll like some of the women in our group said like, oh, my doctor just gave me Clomid and sent me on my way. And they don't even check to see if you actually ovulate. That's not going to happen if you're using injectable hormones. (laughs) A lot of the times you'll have a trigger shot, too. Yes. Right. So, Which is HCG, and you'll have it, what is it, 36 hours before ovulation? Yep. Or if you're doing an IUI or IVF, 36 hours before you you know do an egg retrieval or do an mm-hmm. insemination. So the trigger shot always confused me a little bit. Like, what is the deal with the trigger shot? Really, it's just like their way of providing more control over when the egg is released. So that there's right. less guessing in the, you know, and that that's like the trigger shot is what makes your brain actually tell the egg to finally get the F out. It's like it's the eviction notice on the door. It's time to go. <laughs> right. Get so, out of here. Get out of here. And remember, you can't take a pregnancy test if you do a trigger shot for at least two weeks. Because you have HCG you, in your system. You have HCG. And you, you could get a false positive. Correct. HCG is the pregnancy hormone, everybody, in case someone's not aware of that. And then I read this, Sarah, and I'm sure you've heard of this too, but that a trigger shot is sometimes not used because, well, it can really affect the egg quality. I didn't know that. No? What? Yes. So, because it's forcing them to um, evict, more or less, like, to ovulate, sometimes they're too young. Like, they're not ready yet. And then you end up, like, going through IVF, you end up with eggs that aren't quite mature. But that's the, the catch with IVF, because your follicles don't all grow at the same pace, right? So, what you're hoping that your doctor does is gets the most that are in the prime range. You're still going to have some that are too young or some that are too old. But you're hoping yeah. that by the, whenever they do that trigger shot, you get the m- most in the most optimal range. But you almost always do a trigger shot, right? Oh, with IVF and for sure. Yeah. Sometimes they trigger with Lupron, right? Yep. Yep. So does that affect your eggs too? I think I did. I think I read that for some women, Lupron would be a better... Now, I didn't, we can like dive more into this when we do IVF episodes, but 
Um, I did read that Lupron can be a better trigger in certain cases for some women, depending on their specific issue. Yeah, to if you're going to do a frozen transfer, then you can't do Lupron with a fresh transfer. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Well, you wouldn't do a trigger with a frozen transfer. Well, I mean, if you're going to freeze all your embryos. Gotcha. If you do a freeze-all cycle with IVF, you could trigger with Lupron, but you can't trigger with Lupron in a fresh cycle. I gotcha. Okay. I said... Anyway. I just... Yeah. I thought this was interesting. Okay. Real quick. It says... The timing of the trigger shot, so it initiates this process called meiosis, which I'm not going to get into, but that's basically when the when the follicle actually like ruptures, mm. and and the egg is like splitting and all these fun genetic things that we don't really know what, what we're like, yeah. So it says this should coincide with the majority, like I was saying, the majority of ovarian follicles being greater than 15 millimeters in diameter with hopefully several follicles having reached at least 18 to 22 millimeters. Follicles larger than 22 will most likely be overdeveloped and you know follicles less than 15 will usually be underdeveloped. So I just thought like that gave a kind of an interesting range. But anyway, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. So the biggest risk, again, with like, well, we said multiples, but also like using the injectables is OHSS. So you got to watch for that, which is ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, meaning like your ovaries just, they just keep, I had OHSS. So happy they to just talk. keep producing estrogen, right? Is that what happens? Yes. And then it can cause fluid in your, oh, progesterone? All the, all the follicles that rupture, that rupture keep filling with fluid and they just keep weeping hormones yeah and then you can get fluid in your yep it can be really bad but i would say like for the for stuff like this if you're just using it for an iui or for a yeah like a medicated cycle using letrozole or clomid or something your risk is much lower than if you're doing ivf so um they're not or the injectables are much more expensive and often not covered by insurance like Clomid and Femera often are. So that's another like very big difference and one reason why a doctor would do one over the other. But also read that a lot of REs will recommend like just going straight to IVF if you've been doing like Clomid or Femera or something for a while because if you're if the next step is injectables which it usually is they have much more control over what's happening if it's an ivf cycle you know what i mean yeah so anyway all right we were going to read a few listener uh experiences with any of these drugs yeah valerie did eight or nine rounds of unmonitored clomid and it was junk <laughs> she said that, not us. Yeah, yeah. I could have told you that, though. <laughs> <laughs> I did two rounds of Fremera with a trigger, natural cycles, no side effects, really. Um, the trigger made me feel like my ovaries were going to explode, which, I mean, in a way, 
<laughs> in a way, a that's bit. exactly what's happening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, unmonitored comed. Eight or nine rounds. Not so that's a, longer than what we've read is recommended. Yeah. Probably. Don't do any more Clomid. You know, I have another question about... Because it sounded like from the minute with Mandy, like, what are the pros over Clomid than Letrozole or Femera? It seems like Femera is a better it's way to older? go. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I guess... I think it's just like... Oh, uh, here's Clomid. Yeah, I guess everyone responds differently, so maybe they just respond better to Clomid than to Femera, but it seems like mm, I don't know. I don't I don't know either. I don't I guess my question is if Femera has less side effects and it works the same way, why not always pre- prescribe that instead of Clomid? All thing all other things being equal. I don't know. Cuz it's pretty inexpensive too the answer to that one (laughs) okay well we'll move on since we don't know (laughs) um emily says i have pcos i don't ovulate which is that if you have pcos can you like never ovulate like never yeah yeah wow yeah i did two rounds of femera one with trigger then i did three rounds of femera with trigger and iui i never produced fully mature follicles so then she talks about she went on to do injectables and was successful with that. But um, and she's the one. She, Emily is the our friend with the alloimmune disorder. So. And she, yeah, she ended up getting pregnant. Yeah, but not and with, then got the alloimmune right. disorder. Exactly. But she didn't get pregnant until she moved on to injectables. So good to know. Yeah. Familiar doesn't work for you. And then this girl, Valerie, Valerie number two, (laughs) she is in a cycle right now using letrozole. Okay. I think she's in a two-week wait, or it might be over by now. I don't know. But she said she did six rounds of Clomid and then started letrozole with a trigger. So Clomid never worked. Yeah. Oh, and she had polyps and PCOS. Yeah. Uh, Then she got the polyps removed. And now she's doing letrozole, and she said her biggest symptom is headaches, to the point where she couldn't sleep, which sucks. And that is a common symptom I see with anything that, well, I think- It's messing with a part of her brain. Right. And I read that it was like because of an increase of estrogen, but I don't know if that, I mean, it could be other things causing a headache. I had terrible headaches- I had one day of bad headaches on um, Follistim. Yeah. I don't know why, Mandy. (laughs) But, yeah. And then she said with the trigger, she got a little bit of pain, cramping, and bloating. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. Then Puffins. (laughs) Micah. Micah. Uh, I probably did about a year of Clomid. That is a long time on Clomid. It was to raise my progesterone, which is low. I never had side effects from it. It did help my levels, but I never got pregnant even after three IUIs. I wonder, we need to ask her if they gave her progesterone support too. Yeah, I'm very curious about... The luteal phase progesterone support. Yeah, because I've never heard of someone taking Clomid as a primary reason to raise progesterone. 
Like, I'm curious why the doctor wouldn't just give her progesterone or prescribe her progesterone. Micah, clue us us in on that. (laughs) Yeah. Then Megan. She did two or three natural rounds of unmonitored Clomid with an OB. She doesn't know if they did anything for her ovulation, no crazy side effects besides minor headaches and feeling thirsty. Then she did two monitored Fremera IUIs with an RE, but she was a slow responder to Fremera, which I've heard before. Oh. Um, and they always had to increase her dosage mid-cycle and extend how many days she took it. Again, no side effects. And I'm guessing it did not work. Like she did not get pregnant from that. I don't know. When they don't say and we don't know exactly who it is, it's hard to keep. <laughs> yeah. Not sure. Yeah. But um, that sounds like a pretty like typical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although I did not know about some people responding a little slower to Femera. That's interesting. I could have swore I saw someone talking about that. like, Or they didn't respond at all yes. to it. So then see, that would be like... I was saying earlier, maybe they do respond better to Clomid. So, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Diana with two N's. Diana with two N's. <laughs> I have PCOS. I'm currently on my fourth round of Letrozole. I'm currently on cycle day six. One more day of pills, then start looking to ovulate again. Um, let's see. She says, I don't really see any side effects, although I feel like my fingers have gotten really swollen to the point where I've taken taking my rings off at night because they hurt i'm not sure if this is an actual side effect of the meds or my husband just giving me a hard time as i am on the heavier side of where i normally am lol (laughs) that happens with the treatments you know it's a very common across the board with fertility treatments that you gain weight Mm -hmm. and again is it from the drugs or is it from the stress eating i don't know chicken egg not sure (laughs) Either way, Diana, you are beautiful, no matter what they say, no matter what your husband says. (laughs) I take my rings off at night. My hands swell when I sleep. Um, Full confession time. I had to take my rings off around five or six months pregnant and they still don't fit two years later. Oh, no. And I, I keep being like, oh, I'll lose weight. They'll get smaller. No, I think I was one of those people that my hands and feet literally grew and Crazy. didn't go back. Oh, for a long time. Maybe it's your bones. It might be because they do not even kind of fit. It's crazy. Stinks. I know. I guess you'll have to get a bigger ring. Bill gave me a, <laughs> he gave me a um, substitute ring that's really nice and I wear it all the time still, but oh. he's like, um, are you ever going to wear the actual <laughs> ring I gave you? Like, I can't. It doesn't fit. So I need I to have, just go get yeah. it resized and stop living in denial. Just get it done. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Kate. Who has first two baby? Yeah. Oh, she has two kids. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense why she said first baby. <laughs> she, she did one round of Fremera, monitored with a trigger shot, with timed intercourse, got pregnant. Hey! Boom! One and done. 
Woohoo! That was after 18 months TTC. That's great. Yeah. Um, that's, second baby. That's the dream Ooh. right there. She did seven rounds of Fumaria. Not the dream. Nope. Timed intercourse, trigger shot. Uh, seventh round, she got pregnant. So, so her total TTC for both kids was about a month, or excuse me, a year and a half. Not together for yeah. each one. For each one. Yeah. 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 Um, she doesn't remember any side effects. That's good. She yeah. says she responds very well to Femera. Yeah. So, and had uh, multiple times she had more than one follicle that ovulated. So, there you go. Thankfully or not thankfully, she wasn't pregnant with twins or triplets. I mean, you tell us. Yeah, you tell us. Did you dodge a no, bullet? I mean, or you. You tell us <laughs> oh, since me. you have twins. Well, I love having twins, but that's all I know. So. I always wanted to be a twin. <laughs> I know. There is something cool about, I mean, you have a built-in best friend. What's, what could be better? Do you think they communicate telepathically? Yeah, I think they, they definitely, yeah. Or with looks. <laughs> right. Right. But I think it's interesting that Kate says she doesn't ovulate at all without Femera and a trigger shot. Interesting. She says, my right ovary doesn't ovulate even with it. Hmm. She says, I think I'm an anomaly with that. She's got that millennial that will not leave. He's set up camp in the basement. Or she. <laughs> it, uh, it's usually guys. <laughs> if it's a girl, you know she's like... I don't know <laughs> where I'm going with that. Usually it's guys, though. It's probably both. I know a lot of female millennials that are just as lazy as their but male do you think counterparts their parents want them there. Oh, uh, well, I guess I can see what you're saying like traditionally speaking, it's like more of an expectation for the man to go out and get a job, but that's bullshit. That's patriarchal bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> I think it is. No, I I mean, I I just I'd never thought about girls staying home. Oh. Until they're like 40. <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. Get out. Do your own thing. It's hard, but it, it's the best choice. Break it, away. It'd probably be really annoying living with your parents. Oh my gosh, yeah. Unless you like. I like mine, and I still don't want to live with them. I like mine, but I don't want to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. Anyway, our I last mean, one, Nicole. <laughs> Let's just move on before we bury ourselves. <laughs> I mean, I love you. <laughs> love you, mom. Love you, dad. My mom's watching Bjorn right now. <laughs> yeah, so we probably should not badmouth her. <laughs> anyway, Nicole. A few years ago, my OBGYN gave me a prescription for Clomid and sent me on my way. I was never monitored. The only thing she did was test my progesterone on cycle day 21 to see if I had actually ovulated, which only happened one time. This medication was horrible. Hot flashes, headaches, insomnia, but it also made me very depressed, so I stopped Aww. taking it. Yeah, I'm sorry, Nicole. That's sad. Um... Fast forward to present time, and my RE has diagnosed me with PCOS. Wait, okay, sorry. Get, a, get I guess you need to get to the end of this sentence before I make my comment. Before you burst in and rudely interrupt me. Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. 
Fast forward to the present time and my has diagnosed me with PCOS and told me that Clomid doesn't often work for women with PCOS. What? What? Okay, because all the studies on the internet, not just Wikipedia, are saying (laughs) that Clomid only works for people with PCOS. So you're telling me that Clomid just doesn't work? Well... I I mean, at first glance, I have a theory. I know a couple people who got pregnant on Clomid. I know a lot of people that have gotten pregnant on Clomid that had PCOS. I don't think... Mm-hmm. I don't... Okay, I'm trying to put myself... I'm thinking... I'm wondering maybe that this doctor... I don't know. Maybe she's like more... I don't know. Maybe there's different kinds of PCOS too. Not like different kinds. Well, but there's varying levels of it. Like there's some people yeah, that not just have the same. a longer-ish cycle, like a 45-day cycle, and then there's some that don't ovulate for six months. Those are very different. Well, and some people are diagnosed with PCOS who don't actually have it. I'm not saying that Nicole doesn't have it, but some people are misdiagnosed with PCOS. Probably because of their weight mm-hmm. a lot of the time. And then they are not given the right medications. Yeah. Or just treatment plan in general. Yeah. Yeah. But so. then, and I also wonder if like what we were t- just talking about, that maybe Femera is the wave of the future in terms of, because there, it people tend to respond better with them with it some in, in a lot of cases and it has less side effects so maybe yeah. he's just like uh, forget clomid clomid is yesterday's news let's go with Femera. yeah i don't know that could be it could be we're totally so Femera worked for her yeah we did our first iui in april the Femera worked i grew a follicle 22 millimeters the iui didn't work but they're gonna do another one yeah. um so and then she said, the Femera gave me hot flashes, and the combo of Femera and Metformin made me extremely nauseated. Ugh. But I am glad that my body responded to Femera, and I'm willing to deal with the side effects, which is where a lot of us are in all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess they give Femera, or they give Metformin in combination with, like, Clomid and Femera. Well, Femera is com- often prescribed for PCOS. Yeah, and it's to combat the uh, insulin resistance issue that is pcos correct which we've talked at length about if you don't know what we're talking about go listen to my string of pearls our episode on pcos that is episode seven there you go thank you sarah (laughs) (laughs) anything else to add for the good of the cause Um, to what (laughs) for the good of the cause (laughs) not i mean i never took oral medications so i personally i cannot add but i will say i asked a lot of these women um this just gave me a better picture of what they were dealing with at the time i asked them like who initially prescribed these oral medications how closely they were monitored and then i also wanted to know like the price of them and if their insurance covered them and i would say like half and half I, I bet it was about half and half like an OB prescribed it and some of them said yeah they just threw this at me and didn't monitor me and but a lot of them were using these drugs with an RE as well but when they were 
they were usually monitored more closely with an RE, which is what you would expect. Yeah, I have a friend. Um, I don't know if she she talks about it, I think, but I won't say her name right now. She was given Clomid for like a year when the doctor didn't even know what was going on. No. Like with her and, her, and it's her husband. Oh. He has male factor infertility. So she took this drug for a year. And yeah. oh my gosh. We had one. This is a good one to close with. We had one more on our Instagram page. We which, did. Yeah. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. And uh, this was from Megan. And she she said that Clomid made her crazy. <laughs> right. And I asked her, like, well, what do you mean by crazy? And she said she had very intense mood swings while taking it. I would go from completely fine to angry to crying all within an hour. Very emotional. Mm. And she says even beyond just going through infertility. So she knew it was more than just the stress of infertility, I think she's saying. And she also had hot flashes and said they were really brutal at times. That's Clomid. Yeah, and I feel like I feel like you hear that a lot about Clomid especially. Is the moods mm-hmm. like they make you crazy and mood swingy and it's what birth control does to me. Yeah. C- hormones, man, they're such a bitch. They are. Yeah. But you can't take them away. <laughs> Cuz then that makes you crazy. Anyway, that wraps our segment on ovulatory drugs. I feel like we knocked this one out of the park. I don't think we got anything wrong, Sarah. I don't know. I'm sure people will tell us. <laughs> they always do. <laughs> We're going to do out of the box then. Out of the box. Out of the box. It's out of our box, so it still counts. <laughs> it's out of the inbox. <laughs> it Yeah, it's out of the inbox. It is an email from Ivy. Ivy, are I you like in the Facebook name. group? Because I don't know if I've seen your name. Okay. I like it. Hey, ladies. I just found the podcast and I'm binging my way through it to get caught up. Nice. I love that you I love that you just keep it real. It feels like I'm talking to my infertility friends, except y'all can't hear me. LOL. Okay. <laughs> she used y'all. That means I want to know where you're from, Ivy. From Texas? <laughs> Somewhere southern. Somewhere southern. Uh, I recently listened to the episode about the jerk-off room and had to email and share my husband's nightmare story. That is episode what, Sarah? Adventures in the Uh, jerk-off room. (laughs) It is episode... Something. We shared all kinds of... Five. Five. I interviewed my husband, which was fun, and we shared all kinds of funny stories from women about crazy stuff that's happened in the jerk off room it's pretty funny i've been in there (laughs) that's right sarah's (laughs) shared out her experience in the room okay um it was his first time to give a sample and the nurse was walking him to the room to give him instructions they get to the room and the door is closed she tries the knob it's locked she says hmm that's funny wait here (laughs) you can see where this is going right no no uh She goes and gets a key and then proceeds to unlock the door in all caps, she wrote. 
As the door begins to open, they both hear some poor guy saying, Stop! Someone's in here! Oh, no. <laughs> she, she quickly slams the door shut and tells my husband, That has never happened before. Here, wait right here in this chair. <laughs> you know you want to hear that when it comes to, like, tracking off. Oh, my gosh. I probably would have ran out of there. Anyway. Call um, me back. <laughs> a little while later, the guy from the room comes out. <laughs> bright red with his head down carrying a sample now it's hubby's turn (laughs) (laughs) the nurse takes him back and he says she kept saying over and over again I promise no one's going to bother you (laughs) moral of the story when you go to give a semen analysis maybe bring a padlock for the door with you (laughs) (laughs) or put a sock on the door (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that poor guy. That is awful. That really is. Like, how are you not keeping better track of your patients? How are you unlocking the door when it's locked? Whose semen is this? <laughs> this would give me no confidence that they were like... No. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, that no. is such a funny, crazy story, Ivy. I'm so sorry. I'm glad it wasn't your husband that that happened to. I know. Can you imagine? Like, and I feel like her husband, like, how how would you be able to go in there and focus and not be worried? (laughs) Like, I feel Uh, like that's every guy's worst nightmare that that's going to happen. And then it Mm -hmm. actually happened to this poor schmuck. Yeah. Oh, that's man. That is that is something. (laughs) Anyway. All right. That was out of the box. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it for the show. That's it for the show. Uh, as we've mentioned before, join our closed Facebook group called The Infertile Mafia. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. Feel free to send us an email to infertilemafia at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to hear lots of more stories about the jerk-off room and more. <laughs> And in our next episode, we're going to talk less about ovaries. We're going to talk less about ovaries. We're going to do a little more talking about telling. We're talking about infertility in the workplace in the next episode, which I think is a great topic. Yeah. And I I told you that I didn't have any experience with this. And then you're like, yes, "Yes, you you do. do. And I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. Because Sarah's technically was self-employed while she was going through this. But even people who don't have to tell a boss your infertility affects your career. It does. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that and things like bias in the workplace and pros and cons uh, of telling your employer and all that good stuff. So tune in for the next episode. And as always, thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.